Welcome to the podcast for Runaway. I'm the author, Sabine Wilder, here to read my book to you. Let's get started. Chapter 4. Date. Susan practically vibrated with excitement. She was going on a date with Jim Shen. She couldn't believe she had asked him out. More unbelievable still, he had said yes. Susan called in Anna for an emergency consultation to help her prepare for the big night. She could barely function as it was, so it was a relief to have Anna around to help her pick out clothes and keep her from bouncing off the walls. Susan stood in front of the bathroom mirror trying to tame her unruly mane, while Anna sat on the edge of the tub, staring off into space. "'What's up with you today?' Susan glanced at her friend's reflection in the mirror. "'I don't know,' Anna said, studying the tiles of the bathroom floor. "'Oh, no. Don't do this to me now.' "'What?' Anna looked up, innocence shining in her eyes. That thing you do when something's on your mind, you get all quiet and evasive instead of talking about it. It drives me crazy. I do what now? Great, you don't even know you're doing it. Susan wanted to bang her head against her reflection. Sorry, I know you're stressed out about your date. Anna grew quiet and trailed off. There, you're doing it again. Susan spun around, leaning her back against the counter. Anna bit her lip, avoiding eye contact. Susan sighed. I can't help you if you won't tell me about it. I... I know. Anna slumped forward. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy things are working out for you with Jim, but maybe I'm a little jealous. Susan's heart sank into her stomach. Why didn't you say something? Are you kidding? I wasn't going to ruin this for you. You're too sensitive for your own good, you know that? Tell me about it. Anna's shoulders drooped. Susan couldn't shake the feeling that there was more to this than a twinge of jealousy. Are you sure you're okay? Anna rose from the tub, grabbed a hairbrush from the counter, and proceeded to dismantle Susan's attempt at hairstyling. You should wear it down. It looks best that way. But it doesn't feel special, au naturel. Don't worry. You're plenty special. Anna couldn't help the dry edge to her words. Susan stood patiently while Anna brushed her hair. We'll talk about it tomorrow, then. About what? Anna's oblivious streak continued, proving to Susan that her mind was occupied elsewhere. Whatever it is that's eating you, don't think you can get away so easily. I might be a little distracted tonight, but I've got all day tomorrow to spend with you. Do you really think we're going to talk about me after your big date? Anna smoothed out a stray lick of hair. We'll make time. I promise. Susan waved away Anna's fussing hands, running her fingers through her hair, giving it one last comb. I hate it when you're right. It looks so much better this way. Tomorrow, Anna held the brush close to her chest, running her fingers over the bristles. Don't forget. I won't. Come over and we'll sort everything out. Okay, Anna said meekly, but a quiet resolve grew across her face. Sue, your ride's here, her mother called from the hallway. Panic surged through Susan. She wasn't ready. She would never be ready. She wanted to run down the hall and possibly straight out the door and down the street, but she urged herself to relax and walk to the door. Her legs wobbled beneath her, and her head felt light. She had to double-check to make sure she had everything. "'He's not going to come in and say hi?' Mrs. Wolfe peeked out the window to inspect the boy who had speared away her daughter for the evening. "'Mom, please don't drag this out.' Susan's heart began to race. This was not the time to be arguing with her mother." Fine, Mrs. Wolfe backed away from the window. Just make sure you're home by eleven. Eleven? Susan screeched. What am I, a kid? 
The two wolves stood facing one another, each weighing the other carefully. Eleven-thirty, then, her mother said. Twelve. Mrs. Wolf grew stern, the edges of her mouth twitching the way they did when she was annoyed. She wasn't going to back down any time soon, and every minute they stood arguing was a minute less Susan had to spend with Jim. Fine, eleven-thirty, don't wait up! Susan nearly pulled the door off its hinges on her way out, before racing down the driveway to Jim's car. Jumping into the passenger seat, her first words to Jim were, Let's go! You're pretty excited. It's just a movie. Despite his casual tone, Jim's face lit up as he watched Susan buckle herself in. Yeah, but I'm going with you. Susan kicked herself. She probably shouldn't be so obvious. I mean, movies drastically improve if the company is cute. So I'm cute, am I? Jim pulled out of the driveway, turning down the road to head to the highway. Susan wanted to scream for digging herself in deeper. She paused a moment to collect herself, letting Jim's question slide, while forcing herself to calm down and act normal. So, which movie did you want to see? Oh yeah, I hope you don't mind, but I printed out some tickets already. I remember you saying your mom was a bit of a... Jim coughed. <clears throat> stickler. So I wanted to make sure we could get into an early show. You thought that far ahead? Susan asked, impressed. Um, yeah. Jim brushed his fingers distractedly through his hair. Not only had Jim been on time for their date, but he had planned ahead. Susan's brain went mushy as her thoughts blurred and her cheeks grew warm. Oh yeah, I kind of have a curfew. What's the damage? 11.30. Susan wanted to crawl into a hole. She felt like the only girl in Timber Creek whose mom would actually enforce such a ridiculous restriction. Ouch. Jim winced dramatically. Don't worry. We'll have plenty of time to hang out, thanks to my quick thinking. You win this round. Susan threw Jim some praise. So what movie are we seeing? The tickets are on the dash, Jim pointed. Susan grabbed the papers. When she saw the title, her heart dropped. A romantic comedy? I tried to pick something you'd like. We could always pick something else when we get there. No, it's fine. It didn't matter what they saw. The important thing was that Jim had thought of her and that she got to spend time with him. Sorry, I should have asked what you wanted to see. No, really, don't worry about it. I'm sure I'll live. Jim let out a sigh of relief. You're easy to be around, you know that? You're not the first person to tell me that, so it must be true. Jim took a hand off the wheel and reached for one of Susan's. Their fingers naturally wove together, as if they'd done so many times before. It was comfortable. Susan relaxed, enjoying the warmth of Jim's hand. The drive flew by, and it wasn't long before they were surrounded by the smell of buttered popcorn and the darkness of the theater. Susan's instincts had been right. The movie was terrible, but at least they could laugh together at how bad it was. With anyone else, Susan might have been miserable, but the fact that Jim was willing to sacrifice his ego at the altar of humor won her over completely. They sat together laughing all the way through the credits, even as the lights came on and the attendants waited for the theater to empty. Grudgingly, they left their seats and strolled out toward the exit. "'I'm sorry you had to sit through that,' Jim said. "'It wasn't that bad.' Are you kidding me? All right, it was bad, but I still had fun watching it with you. Jim swaggered a little with satisfaction. You're pretty fun yourself. Susan checked the time on her phone. It's still early. Do you want to go for a coffee or something? Actually, Jim slowed, carefully weighing his words. I was thinking. There's this place up by Old Mill Road that's got a killer view. If you want, I can show it to you.
Susan's mind began to spin. Jim was offering to take her somewhere special and probably private. Old Mill Road wasn't exactly the hub of civilization. What's up there to see in the dark? It wouldn't be a surprise if I told you. Susan weighed her intrigue against the voice of responsibility nagging in her head. The prospect of being alone with Jim was too enticing to pass up. However, she hesitated. I don't know. It's not far. I promise we won't get you home too late. That tiny bit of rebellion pushed Susan over the edge. Let's go. It was already dark outside, and the air was getting colder. But at least the night was clear. As they drove away from the glow of town, the patterns of stars across the sky became more pronounced. The traffic lessened, and they went down more remote roads, and the night swallowed up anything outside the car's headlights. Susan would never have noticed the little side road they turned down. At least Jim was confident where they were going. The road turned into a dirt trail and eventually ended at a line of trees. Jim pulled the car to the side of the trail, parking on the shoulder. Jim leaned over, enticingly close to Susan. I hope you're up for a bit of a walk. Jim's scent flooded Susan's nose, arousing something feral deep within her. I'm game if you are. She kicked the car door open, jumping out into the chill fall night. The bush was serene and still around them. A few leaves shivered on the trees, but for the most part it was quiet. The full moon cast a silvery sheen on the trees, making grey branches stand out against the shadows that wavered in the dark. Even the scent of wet leaves had a silvery tang to it. It was like a dream, all too real but hazy around the edges. It's this way. Jim led them to the opening of a footpath that wound uphill, leaves crunched underfoot echoing through the bush as they wove their way up the trail. The trees thinned and opened to a ridge overlooking the town. The lights of Timber Creek pushed against the darkness of the surrounding bush, weaving a glowing haven out of the wilderness. It's beautiful, Susan drank in the view, more than willing to lose herself in the sight. Yeah, you'd never think this town could be beautiful, but sometimes... You just need to know where to look. Susan recognized the spite and hope in Jim's voice. Timber Creek could be isolating and cold, but at the same time, that was its beauty. Out here she could be wild and free, but only within the limits the town had to offer. Are you cold? Jim asked as his arm wrapped around her shoulders. A little. Susan shivered, but couldn't tell if it was from the cold or Jim's touch. They snuggled into one another for warmth. The lights of the town dimmed and blurred as Susan's attention focused on something new. Jim's dark, rich scent surrounded her, making her light-headed. She allowed the sensation to seep into her body. A tiny spark of fear leapt inside her, but excitement drowned it out as she found her face lifting toward Jim's. He was watching her as she gazed up at him. His lips came down to connect with hers. The heat from his raw mouth seeped into Susan and spread through her core like fire. Her body moved on its own accord, grabbing Jim's waist and pulling him closer. He responded by wrapping his arms tightly around her. Susan let the fire burn a swath of bliss through her as their kiss deepened. She let her mind go the way it did when she ran, allowing her body to focus on the moment. Despite the blissful heat, a growl formed in the pit of Susan's stomach. She broke off the kiss, drawing in a sharp breath of cold air. Jim hovered over her, his hand still gripping her waist. Susan took a few more deep breaths, but the strange feeling of unease had gone. She returned to Jim's lips with gusto. The pair stood on the ridge, awash in silver moonlight, 
warmed by the distant glow of the town. Jim's hands roved over Susan's body. At first, it was a little alarming, but eventually she became comfortable with Jim's advances. Cold fingers brushed against the skin of her waist as they reached inside her coat, tugging at the end of her shirt. The uneasy growl returned, this time rolling up and over her in a wave of panic. Susan took a step back. Whoa, easy there, tiger. Jim looked confused. Sorry, I thought you were enjoying yourself. I am, I mean, I was. No, uh, it's... Susan couldn't explain something she wasn't sure of herself. Why had she shut her brain off when she needed it most? The disquiet growl still rumbled through her, ricocheting through her body. I'm not sure I feel so well. Maybe we should stop. Susan veered away from Jim, attempting to scout out the trail that led back to the car, but he caught her arm. What's wrong? I thought you liked me. I do. The inner growl rose, pounding in her eardrums, but Susan forced herself to ignore it. Placing her hand over Jim's, she reassured him. I do like you, Jim, and I want to do this again, but right now, I think I should go home. She couldn't control the uncertain waver in her voice. Jim called her on it. You don't sound too sure. If this is about your mom, I promise to bail you out if she freaks. Can't we have just a little more time together? Susan melted from Jim's charm. She did want to stay, but something wasn't right. The rumble inside her wouldn't go away, no matter how much she willed it down or ignored it. Maybe she was sick. Maybe her nerves were getting to her. But either way, Susan knew she was finished and needed to go home. It's not that. I can deal with my mom. Well, what is it then? Come on. His voice deepened as he drew closer to her body. I really like you, Sue. Susan began to tremble. The growl inside her expanded, clawing out from the pit of her stomach toward her chest. It seized her heart, pounding in time with its rhythm. She felt warm as a new fire blazed through her body. It took all of Susan's strength to remain focused on her conversation with Jim. I need to go home. She tried to take a step back, but Jim held her firmly in place. I know you're probably nervous, but there's nothing to be scared about. I promise. He dragged her shaking body back into an embrace, clamping another iron-solid arm around her waist. You must be nervous. You're shivering. Susan was anxious, but Jim wasn't helping. The more she tried to control the trembling, the less she seemed to be able to move. Terror gripped her as she realized her body wasn't responding to her thoughts. The fire entered her brain, and she struggled to think. Through force of will, she had a single moment of clarity when she tried to push herself out of Jim's arms. Unfortunately, her arms barely twitched, and the scream inside her head came out as a whisper. No. It'll be all right. I promise. He kissed her again, holding her tightly. What was once a secure embrace was now a prison. A chill of fear doused the burning in Susan's chest, and once again she was aware that something was desperately wrong. Jim didn't understand that she was in distress, and her body was somehow detached from her mind, functioning on its own accord. This couldn't be happening. It couldn't be real. Susan wanted to scream, but all that came out was a weak movement of her lips, her words having no voice to back them. Terror twisted Susan's insides. She wished with all her might that everything would stop, but the panic that wildly tore at her heart began to take shape. There was something familiar, almost comforting about it. Instead of fighting the fire, Susan let it in. The flames roared to life and the deep growl bellowed a thunderous howl. Her body ripped apart, torn inside out, 
flesh melted and plied into new shapes. Her brain felt too small for her skull, as if it would burst through the bone, scattering shards in its wake. Then everything stopped, and the world around Susan was crystal clear. The burning was gone. There was no pain or uncertainty. The night was alive with sounds and smells. However, danger was standing right before her. Fear prickled the hair on the back of her neck as she remembered that someone was holding her against her will. He was going to hurt her if she didn't escape. Susan didn't think. She reacted. Her assailant's eyes went wide and he smelled of fear. Her lips drew back and she lunged forward, sinking her teeth into her captor's neck. Her jaws clamped down on the soft tissue and Susan was rewarded with the warm, coppery taste of blood gushing into her mouth. The momentum of her attack pushed them over backwards. Susan refused to let go, even as they tumbled down the hill. Slamming into a tree forced her jaws open with a yelp. She had to get up. The danger might still be there, ready to harm her. Clawing at the ground, Susan struggled to rise, but couldn't find her balance. Everything was wrong. Her muscles weren't responding the way they should. Panic rose in her throat. What's wrong with me? She looked down at her hands, trying to piece the puzzle together, and was shocked to see a pair of paws in their place. Susan recoiled, but as she jumped back, the paws went with her. Tentatively, she lifted what should have been her right hand, and the paw responded in kind. What the hell is going on? A gurgling noise choked through the hush of the trees, and the air thickened with the scent of blood. Susan whirled to face a body lying a few feet beside her. It twitched, thrashing in the bushes as it lay bleeding through its mangled throat. The fear pumping through Susan's body went ice cold when she recognized the dark scent surfacing through the carnage. Danger and the boy she cared for were one and the same. It didn't make sense. Susan struggled to reconcile the two powerful feelings inside her. In the end, compassion won, and her actions took on a whole new meaning. Horror over what she had done tore through her. She wanted to scream, but all that came out was a howl. Susan let pain sweep through her, but this time the inner growl receded, cowed into submission by her guilt. No, her words rang human again. No, this isn't happening. Jim! Tears stung her eyes as she stumbled forward. Jim struggled to breathe, the torn flesh of his throat dangling to one side. His skin looked ashen, but then everything looked gray in the moonlight. Susan flushed with nausea and retched into the bushes. Sucking in deep breaths of air, she lifted a hand to wipe away the bile. Her face felt wet and tacky. As she pulled her hand away, the moonlight revealed the dark, glistening blood she had wiped from her face. Susan wanted to vomit again, but couldn't seem to move. Her fingers trembled as she realized the taste of blood on her mouth came from Jim. Susan tore off her coat, rubbing her face down, as if it might remove the things she had done. But it couldn't wash away her sin. Jim was dying because of her. Dying. He's not dead yet. Susan bunched up her coat, placing it over the wound in Jim's throat and pressing down to staunch the flow of blood. It's okay. I'm here. I'm not going to let you die, Jim. Air rattled out of Jim's throat, but his eyes began to dim. Damn it, Jim. Don't give up on me. Don't let go. The trembling in Susan's fingers moved up to her arms. Jim was dying, and they were out in the middle of nowhere. Worst of all, it was her fault. Susan had done this to him. No, not yet. 
Her mind flashed to her purse, sitting in the car, her cell phone tucked inside. Jim, listen to me. I'm going to get my phone. I'm going to call 911. I'll come straight back. I promise. Jim didn't respond to indicate he had heard or understood what she said, but there wasn't a moment to lose. Susan wouldn't allow her guilt to hold her back a second longer. That second might make all the difference. Susan flew down the hill, running, falling, and picking herself up again. It didn't matter as long as she kept moving toward the car. Panic forced her to gasp for air, and the stench of Jim's blood stuck in her lungs, making it hard to breathe. Branches slapped at her as she ran through the bush, but Susan couldn't afford to let anything hold her back. At last, the car came into view. Susan didn't slow down, ramming herself into the hood to stop. Her entire body shook when she pushed herself back, revealing two dark handprints on the metal. Susan tried to swallow, but her throat tightened. She spat out the offending bile and clenched her hands into fists. Calm down, calm down. She repeated the mantra until her breathing became more controlled. She couldn't help anyone if she kept freaking out. Lights flashed and the rumble of an engine echoed down the road. The noise cut through the pounding rush of blood in Susan's ears, and she looked up to see a truck approaching. She needed help. Staggering onto the road, Susan waved down the truck. It pulled up beside her, and the driver swung himself out and down to the ground. Damn kids, you know this is private prop. Susan jumped at the man. Help! Please! We need help! The driver examined her in the glare of the headlights, taking a step back, realizing her torn clothes were soaked in blood. Jesus Christ, what happened? Please! Susan croaked. The truck door slammed shut, and another man appeared beside the first. What's wrong? Are you hurt? Susan wanted to cry. No, it's Jim. He, he's hurt. He might be dying. Where's your friend? The second man kept his voice calm. A light flickered from the cab of the truck, and the driver shone a flashlight into the trees. Susan wasted no time explaining, leading them back into the woods. Despite her chaotic trip down the hill, she knew where they needed to go. The bush seemed darker in the presence of the flashlight, and the shadows it cast made everything look unfamiliar. Susan lost sense of where they were. She called out, hoping Jim could make a noise that might reorient them, but only silence answered. Jim! Jim! Susan's cries intensified, until a bright patch of crimson lit up in the flashlight's wake. Jim! A beat of relief escaped her heart as she rushed toward him. However, fear seized her muscles as she approached. Something was wrong. Jim was stone still, his unmoving eyes staring at something just out of reach. Move, the calmer man commanded, but Susan's body didn't respond. She stepped to the side as he nudged her out of the way. Bending down over Jim, he examined the throat before grabbing Jim's wrist, holding two fingers over the pulse. His face was grim as he balled one hand into a fist, placing the other over top and began pushing down on the boy's chest with rhythm. Despite the cold air, sweat beaded on his brow. After a few repeated attempts at checking and pushing, the man slumped down on the forest floor, defeated. Susan couldn't believe it. She couldn't give up. Kneeling beside Jim, she went to check the wound in his neck, but drew back when her fingers touched the cold flesh. Jim was dead. The world swam in and out of Susan's vision, 
pushing her away from her senses until she felt like she was watching everything from far away. Voices blurred into unidentifiable noise. She knew when she was moving, but couldn't feel the ground beneath her. Her vision swam in and out of a haze. She was aware of people arriving, but couldn't tell how long they'd been there. It was as if they were popping up out of the ground. The flashing sirens hurt her head, but eventually she tuned them out as well. She surrendered silently to the paramedics, hoping they could stop the whirlwind she saw every time she closed her eyes. Everything happened wretchedly slow, but then the moment would spin quickly by, hard to recall. After a while, voices began to separate, and her surroundings solidified. She hasn't said a word. Might be a while yet. She's had quite a shock. What got the boy? Any word about that yet? Coroner hasn't committed to anything, but I think it's obvious. Susan stiffened. They already knew. What do you think got him? A bear? Probably. Wolves are pretty rare around here. But not unheard of. Confusion rattled around what was left of Susan's working brain. She was the one who had killed Jim, not some stupid bear or wolf. Wolf. The word jarred her mind. It had been her. She was the wolf. She was the animal that they were looking for. The hairs on the back of her neck stood on end and her posture straightened as an urge to run gnawed at her legs. The shift in posture did not go unnoticed, however, and a man approached. A police officer. Hi there. How are you feeling? He crouched down in front of her, his voice and expression soft. Susan made an effort to swallow. She opened her mouth to say something, but couldn't find the words. Instead, she curled forward and let out a sob as tears welled in her eyes. The officer continued to speak quietly and sat beside her on the ambulance tailgate. It's all right. You're safe now. Nothing is going to hurt you. Susan choked at the irony of his words and continued to bawl. She didn't want to stop. It was her fault. Jim was dead and she was the one who killed him. She turned into a wolf and bit him. No, that was insane. There's no way she could have done that, even if she wanted to. This had to be a dream, the world's most horrible nightmare. Susan cried for a while, until her sobs went dry. She couldn't force out another tear she tried. A warm, rich smell comforted her nose. The officer held out a Tim's cup. It's hot chocolate. It'll make you feel better. Susan automatically reached out, taking the paper cup from him. They must have been waiting for a while, as the cup wasn't its usual scalding self. She nodded her thanks, holding the cup in her lap, letting it warm her hands. How are you feeling? Terrible, her voice cracked. It sounded weak and foreign, but at least it was working. Well, you were in shock. What's your name? Susan Wolfe. Okay, Miss Wolf. do you know where you are? Not really. The middle of nowhere? Fair enough. How about what day it is? Friday. The word swam up through the fog. It's Friday night. Or maybe it's Saturday by now. Something clicked. Mom, I should have been back by now. She's probably freaking out. She doesn't know where I am. Take it easy. The officer held up a hand. Why don't you tell me your number, and I'll give her a call to tell her you're all right. It needed to be done, so Susan recited her home number, and the officer left to make the call. Susan took the opportunity to check her surroundings, and was startled to find the man from the truck standing nearby, watching her. 
He hesitated before approaching her. Uh, are you okay, miss? Susan hung her head. Other people's concern for her well-being drove the icy wedge of guilt deeper into her heart. You scared us half to death when you jumped out like that. Susan wanted to tell him to go away. The last thing she wanted was anyone's sympathy. Look, I'm sorry about what happened. The man took a step back. I just wanted to make sure you were all right. You didn't have to wait around just for me. Well, I've been busy with the cops and everything too, but they've got my name and statement, so I should probably get going. A chill crawled up Susan's spine. The police. The officer would be back, and he was going to ask her questions. What was she going to say? Thanks. I'll be all right. Susan tried to make her smile convincing, even though her insides were screaming. Thankfully, it seemed to do the trick, and the man from the truck went on his way. The officer returned, taking a seat on the tailgate again, but this time flipping open a pad of paper and taking out the pen attached to its side. I talked to your mom, so she knows you're all right. I'll bring you home, but I'd like to ask you a couple of questions first. Here we go. Susan buried her attention in her hot chocolate. It was colder than she would have liked, but the liquid still burned her dry throat on the way down. Shoot. I'd like you to tell me what happened. Take your time. I don't really know. Why don't you start at the beginning, when you came out here? Right. We were on a date. We went to see a movie. Susan snorted. It was all so mundane. It was kind of bad, the movie, but we had a fun time. Anyway, after the movie, we wanted to hang out more, and Jim said he wanted to show me this place. Susan gestured to the hill. He took me up to the ridge where you can see the lights. It was so beautiful. Susan faltered, unsure how to continue. The truth sounded ludicrous. What happened next? The officer prodded gently. Raising the Tim's cup to her lips, Susan drained the last of her hot chocolate. Jim said he had to take a leak, so he went off into the trees. I heard noises, but I thought it was Jim walking through the bush. Images rushed back to her in vivid clarity. I think he screamed. N no, I'm not sure. It, it all happened so fast. One minute we were standing together on the ridge, and the next thing I know we're halfway down the hill. I... I must have tripped or something. So you heard noises, and Jim sounded like he was in distress? Yes. When you heard the noises, what did you do? I don't know. I only remember falling. I... Take a deep breath and think. Susan paused to collect her thoughts. She wanted to tell the officer what made the most sense. She didn't want to lie to him, but the truth was so much harder to tell. I went towards him. I must have lost my footing and fell down the hill. Are you sure? Last chance. Yes. I fell down the hill and landed near Jim. I was scared. I didn't know what was happening. Then I realized Jim was hurt. He was bleeding. There was blood all over. Susan paused again, but bit back her fear. I tried to help him. I took my coat and tried to stop the bleeding. I... I might have puked in the bushes first, though. Then I remembered my cell phone was back in the car. I didn't want to leave him, but I didn't know what else to do. So I ran to the car. That's when the men in the truck came. They helped me look for Jim, but... 
by the time we found him... Susan dug her fingernails into her palms, hard enough to elicit some pain. The one man, not the driver, the other one, I didn't get his name. He tried CPR, but it was no use. Jim was dead when we found him. I wanted to help him, but when I touched his skin, it was cold. Susan wanted to curl up and cry again, but all she could do was sit there and shiver. Susan, I'm going to read my notes back to you, and you tell me if there's anything I need to add or change. That's it? Really? Doubts nagged at her. Would she get away with these lies and half-truths? Should she? Exhaustion seeped into Susan's body. I'm so tired, she confessed. Don't worry. It's all over now. You're safe. <laughs> I'm not the one I'm worried about. I know. I'm sorry for your loss. Clutching her knees to her chest, Susan shuddered as fresh tears streamed down her face. She mumbled into her jeans, torn between hoping the officer could hear her and hoping that he couldn't. I'm sorry. So sorry. Oh, God, Jim. I'm so sorry. That concludes Chapter 4. Runaway is currently available for you to listen to for free. I will release a new chapter every week until the book is finished. But if you can't wait to find out what happens, the ebook is available through Kobo and Amazon. Just search for Sabine Wilder or get a direct link from my website at sabinewilder.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to give me feedback, you can always email me at sabine at sabinewilder.com. Don't forget to rate this podcast and help me grow. Thank you for listening and have a pleasant night.